I was going to say good evening, but actually it doesn't make sense to say good evening. Because they could be listening to this at any time. I thought you were angry at me because I was sipping my tea still on the recording. Why would I be angry at you for sipping? Because I'm making noises I'm not supposed to be. <laughs> <laughs> because all your expressions are fucked because of your... Uh... <laughs> because, okay, yeah. Yeah, because of your condition. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so whatever time it is uh, that, that you're listening to this, dear, dear listeners, uh, good evening, good morning, good night, or good day to you, sir. I don't know. I, don't know. Uh, I am queen of the heavens and of the earth, empress of despair and architect of your eternal suffering. I'm sitting here with Oozing Gloop. Hello. <laughs> and, uh, we uh, this is a very special uh, episode of our podcast slurry 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 there's, there's some very sedate interjections that you're having uh, this evening slurry we, yes yeah, so we, well we are we are enjoying a chamomile tea together maybe that's it yeah um, so uh, we now have every episode uh, a theme. Uh, last our last edition was uh, on the theme of demands. Uh, the next one coming up will be on the th- the topic of boundaries, and this this time yes. we're going to be having a theme that's taken directly from your work, Oozing Gloop. Ta-da! So the theme uh, for this uh, for this for this week, let's say week, is yeah. uh, commucracy. Yes, and this comes from uh, your uh, releasing. Uh, a, a couple of works at the same time, uh, all under the title Commucracy Now. Yes. So for those of you listeners who uh, have come to us via the media of po- uh, Spotify or Apple Podcasts, we uh, there will be a link in the description uh, to this episode do podcasts have episodes episode i know what well, this is this is a special edition this is a special edition a special uh, edition uh, where you'll be able to get to these works so can you describe what these works are you've got there's a there's a um uh, a written manifesto yes yeah and this is the first draft of the of the commucratic manifesto the first definitive draft of the commucratic manifesto indeed and there's also a video there's also a yes there was a video which uh this is just as a multimedia fantastical phenomena mode of engagement and this is because uh i mean like well it's quite interesting actually is we now as a as a, a people and a population reading more than ever before Mm-hmm. And it's just not something that's typically considered reading, but uh, we're responding to text messages, like we're using the internet all the time. We're actually like, um, uh, and even when we're looking at Netflix, we're actually going, we're reading through, we're not even channel hopping anymore. We're still, yeah. we're still reading. And that, and um, as a result, whilst the written form was the most appropriate way to make the point and to formulate the narrative as well, it was... <clears throat> It was really, I felt it was really necessary to release a video to be sensitive to people's capacity to engage in written work, Mm -hmm. you know, because I certainly have like far too many tabs open on my computer of articles that I'm supposed to be reading. Mm -hmm. And part of me is a bit like, why should I be reading you? And the answer is because I look good. 
<laughs> okay, that's a, that's, a, that's a very good justification. I um I wanted to ask you. So this is this is a manifesto. Um, yes. And so where does Comicracy come from? Like how have you de- how have you developed this idea? So basically, right. So there's a very there's a direct quote within the manifesto itself, but I will never stop mentioning this quote because it is really it was in 2009 there was a conference on communism in London. Mm-hmm. And um, Michelle Hart of like Hart and Negri, who wrote the book Empire, like super phenomenal pop stars of the left, um, uh, were there. And this, uh, you know, like they thought about like 300 people were going to turn up to this conference and it was like 3000 people, basically. And maybe I'm exaggerating that, but that's roughly it. And that people were really interested and it was like there and a really big topic. It was it was visiting the communist hypothesis. And, I re- and the thing that, um, which basically the communist hypothesis itself is just that a binary class system of haves and have nots, you know, um, is not inevitable and that this can change. Mm-hmm. Basically, this is just the basic communist hypothesis. And... Uh, Sounds pretty solid to me. Yeah, pretty... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and a more equitable or like... Um, and a more equitable social formation is possible and practicable and something worth going about and achieving. Mm-hmm. And that's the that's the basic form of it. But then the... Um, Michelle Hart said that uh, so many words that we use like democracy and communism and liberty are so corrupted that they are unusable. Mm-hmm. Which is to say that liberty is like, you can choose whatever type of toothpaste you want. And um, uh, and it's this very shallow market choice freedom. That alongside com- the freedom to starve, basically. Alongside, yeah. yeah, alongside the freedom, yeah, the liberty to start, yeah, the liberty to starve. That a democracy then is, is you know, is like governed by plutocratic interests. And that, um, and that you can't do anything about capitalism or the economy or business or these sorts of things. And that communism itself is just total control of your life by the state mm-hmm. as well. And that these things aren't there. And they basically said, should we... Uh, and there's there's always a discussion, like, should we invent new terms or should we argue over the terms that exist? Yeah. And because he's old, he said that uh, we should argue over the terms that already exist and not invent new ones and erase those struggles. But uh, Slavoj Žižek also points out that the proper revolutionary answer to tea or coffee is yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> and so that we don't, is that um, to renew these terms, I feel, is necessarily to reinvent them. Mm-hmm. Like, we live, in a tw- we live in the 21st century. Mm-hmm. We live in a different time that communism of the 20th century 20th century socialist experience isn't relevant to us anymore and so we can't and we can't actually be um in a process of continuing to have to answer for the for this pro you know for these things when like capitalism is consistently systemically causing all the all the similar problems of starvation and stuff so it was basically it was like how can we so and then also as well as that fundamentally as well is that the really big problem with communism is that it wasn't democratic so how can and it's i do see it as a failure of marx to have been a bit too poetic with terms like dictatorship of the proletariat <laughs> versus the dictatorship of the bourgeoisie. Mm. And that basically is that if we were to actually change just the fundamental form, you know, if we'd have a communism that was democratic, say, communocratic, then we wouldn't have had this problem in the first place. And we could just mm. then get on with actually struggling towards liberation like we should be, rather than just fighting each other in our impotence. This was it. It was to do with a lot of frustration. And I had sort of failed my politics degree at this point, And I was walking like by myself 
with like a, a shopping bag of carbs on like the Norwich Ring Road, just like in this very lost, bleak moment. And I was like, if only we could have democratic communism. And thus, Commucracy was born. <laughs> so that that answer was definitely the scenic route. Okay. I think we got there in the end. Great. So that's a, a very good and very scenic, as you say, yeah. uh, introduction uh, to the idea of commucracy. Um, I what I think is particularly interesting about how like you go from like uh, walking along carrying a bunch of carbohydrates, as you say, uh, and then uh, like co- uh, conceiving uh, of uh, commucracy is. Uh, I think that not many people, uh, like, what's the word, like, germinate, uh, like, new ideas, um, new political ideas, and use the specific vehicle that you do uh, in order to, to, to spread uh, this idea. Like, you're, you're a, like, uh, like a drag performer. Um, <laughs> I'm like a drag performer, yes. Well, well you, you are like a drag performer. Like, yeah. uh, whenever we try and actually say what it is that we are, it always like it forecloses a whole bunch of other possibilities. But yeah. um, the specific way in which uh, you have spread this idea is something that I find interesting. So uh, can you tell me uh, about how, you, like, rather than like what the idea is, how have you um, brought this idea into being? Yeah, so it's also, it's quite interesting as well, because I, I realised, like, looking back uh, on it is the the works of our, one of our, our, one of our greatest, one of the people that we're the greatest fan of, Mark Fisher, mm-hmm. really helped explain this, because it's like, in his talk of the weird and the eerie, he talks about an ontology of the unfinished, and the um, place, and I kind of realised that being on a ring road is this very unfinished location, you know, mm. like being sort of there as a person, you know, there's a pavement there, but it's really an environment that's meant for cars. And that, um, and that also I think that uh, as queer people, we are, off- we are found to be weird, mm-hmm. you know, consistently we're found to be weird again and again. And we ultimately uh, create, oh, sorry, <laughs> I'm burping so much, but hopefully we can edit those out as well. I can't hear it. Okay, perfect. So yeah. then, yeah. Oh, well, then I'll get a little closer next time I'm going to do it so you can. <laughs> <laughs> no, so like, uh, yeah, so no, basically, um, look at me being also dating like I'm a nice lady or something like that. No, basically as well is that it felt really important to like, that we as queer people like form these spaces where we can be weird, where we can be unfinished and all these things. And that uh, as a, um, it's also that as a good socialist, uh, there is the necessary the necessity to be strategic with mm-hmm. these things and to think about the situation you have most traction in. And the reality is I have the most traction within the world of drag yeah. and within these things. And that also that the drag itself is a phenomena when that is better when it's weird. That is to say, uh, drag is a better phenomena when it is this sort of like bizarre or unfinished thing like you know like the ultimate the ultimate best way to see drag i think is when a friend is like hey i know a i know a dirty spot downtown and you have to like go somewhere and like do a special like knock on the door and you like go in down like a, a dirty sweaty corridor that like smells of drugs where some people are definitely fucking somewhere and you're like oh god and your friend's like no come on and you go around the corner and there's like some 60 year old dude like on stage in like a silver sequin gown convinced he is Shirley Bassey and convincing you that he is Shirley Bassey. This is the moment that drag is like phenomenal. Like mm-hmm. this like really exciting thing. Whereas that 
with the industrialization of drag and with the uh, social media giving us every facet of these things, often what you get is you get like quite a problematic man in a wig. <laughs> <laughs> and and to be perfectly honest as well, like there's lots of drag queens who are really bad people. Um, and there's also lots of drag queens who are really good people, but lots of the ones who are good people aren't necessarily good performers. And <laughs> I'm just going to say... <laughs> really? You I, think that? Yeah, like, not about present company, of course, but, you know, I think that there's... Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to work out whether I was a bad person or a good performer. No, you're one of the that... rare circumstances of both. Aw, thank yeah. you. Yeah, no, I think there's that. I think that there's also a sort of, like, I think... But I think that also fundamentally is that, to a certain extent, is that... Uh, now you know we get to know like through social media we get to know all these aspects about people and stuff yeah. like that and we actually just don't need to do that for them to be these things so this idea of this of sort of like this this odd or bizarre or unfinished thing that sort of sat outside of discourse in some way to me felt really important to uh, to work with and do these things so it also felt like the idea of like to a certain extent like drag is about being like the diva and so, like, being this thing, and so then, like, what is more of a diva than to turn up with an actual, like, <laughs> a written manifesto authoring, like, a new world and shoving it into people's hands? Mm. And then, but with the, with also to absorb a lot of the critiques of the works of, like, Judith Butler and Gary Spivak about the idea of the difference between speech and text. Mm-hmm. And actually, as well, like, that within performance spaces, there is this huge focus again and again on speech. Mm-hmm. And that um, also speech in the body, though, and that also that there is, but how we can also then engage with the body of text. And so in that sense, so as a result, basically, is that I, I sort of kind of, like, started, like, printing off uh, the manifesto and doing performances and then handing out the manifestos during performances and most recently did uh, a four-day tour of my show Gluptopia and the the man like which to a certain extent really worked as a vehicle to get this manifesto out into the world mm-hmm. and as a space to develop this for and to give it there and it was to a certain extent it was almost to create this kind of idea of liberation as being something performative and something sort of glinting, sort of like a sequin on this, like Shirley Bassey yeah. impersonator, and something like that that it starts off as like a like a whisper or like a myth or something, but then ultimately to create some kind of space or discourse around that to capture people's imaginations again mm-hmm. and to feel something about that, and then also with a kind of like a with a kind of like frame of ideas to start sort of like getting your juices flowing. Sick. Yeah. So um, I, I want to ask you specifically about the form of the manifesto, because one thing that I think is kind of interesting about the manifesto is that it is kind of, well, traditionally, it's quite a masculinist form. It's like I, like the solid, stable subject, yeah. have worked out what needs to happen outside of myself. And then, and this is the manifesto. I have I've worked it out. And then we can keep coming back to this manifesto to like guide our future actions or something. Um, and yours is like, like it's, it's a chaotic manifesto. <laughs> yeah. And so like, I wanted to um, ask you like, how, how, how do you use, uh, the form of the manifesto. Yeah, because basically democracy is ultimately the idea of the of the ruling of the part that has no part. This is really it. Because also as well, for a long time before I was talking about the idea of comicracy, I was trying to talk to people about the idea of democracy. And you could never, ever get past the fact that you would say to people, like, oh, I think we should be living more democratically. And people would always say, yes, but we are living democratically. Mm-hmm. But like, well, no, if you, look at the, if you look at the source material, and then there was just this, and it's like, 
we we don't live in a system where we have the rule of the part that has no part, which... I don't understand what that means. Can you explain that? This is precisely the problem that I had when I was trying to get people behind me along the way. Of the <laughs> so I had to just... You know, it was... And also, I was spending a lot of time... I was spending a lot of time working out elaborate and poetic critiques and stuff or using sort of things. And I I've, I've was like, you just have to make something people can get behind in some way for people yeah. to access this. And that a really big critique of leftists is that they use these elaborate things and that they aren't connecting to the people who need these ideas. People yeah. need simple a simple framework that they can use expediently to communicate these desires for liberation, for equality and stuff and mm-hmm. that um that we that left the uh, leftist intellectuals haven't managed to keep pace uh is really difficult. It always a huge problem so this is an attempt to do that. So the rule of the part that has no part is the idea of ruling without a qualification of power. So Boris Johnson and Donald Trump are the exact opposite of this, even though they are seen as being almost like uh, the proof of the pudding of 21st century democracy. Like, they aren't the rule of the part that has no part. They're people who are vested in power of the system already. Mm-hmm. So Boris Johnson's from like this very like wealthy family who's been in power for a long time, and he, he fits the image of a powerful person. And he fits the image of the English upper class. Donald Trump was a reality TV star and a boss who was like, you're fired. And he fitted the idea of a strong, important man who knew what was going on, even though he doesn't pay his taxes, he's let his businesses go bankrupt and all these things. And he's actually factually not that. He has this power within the system. And so what they managed to do is they've managed to both mobilise, not the lowest common denominator, but the lowest common prejudice to sort of kind of like just play on fears to get the largest minority to vote for them in force. Because fascism always relies on the largest minority, like about 40% of the population is all you really need to move uh, fascism through. And that's then rather than actually... Uh, it's more about voting for a tradition or a tendency than it is for a specific policy or a specific thing. And so, uh, whereas the rule of the part that has no part is more about this, like, this, like, exclusion from pre-existing power hierarchies, and it's a far more transformative thing. And so that, therefore, people's self-determination uh, within that is really crucial. So a manifesto is there to tell you what's going on. Uh, but if you just tell people what's going on, you're just functioning as a new messiah. Mm. And actually we need, we need, and it, we, what we need is we need an emancipation from this messianic mode of thought. Okay. Mm-hmm. We need to get past this idea of a savior that someone will give us the answer of the new marks of the Boris Johnson, of the Donald Trump, of the strong man who will do these things. And so having a chaotic manifesto that then is ultimately allows you to, that hopefully in some way inspires you to have your own reflectional thought about it is really, is really kind of like something I really tried to go for the goal, was really the goal here. Whilst at the same time, still actually providing enough stuff that you could get behind it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, that's what I got from this. Yeah. Uh, Because there there is like, there are a number of contradictions in it, like inside the manifesto. I like that it comes out in different media, like uh, in different forms. Um, and then the conversation between, uh, like, uh, the conversations between different contradicting, like, uh, statements or, or claims, mm. and then the different forms that it's taken over the also over the years because I've been around as you yeah. you've performed this at, at events that, uh, that I've done. Um, I think it's a really interesting take on the manifesto. Um, 
Uh, I wanted to ask you about what, like, what have you noticed that's uh, unique to the different media that you've used? So, like, what is particularly useful about making a video? What's particularly useful about, like, uh, having a PDF? What's particularly useful about, like, a performed rant? Mm, yeah, this is great because basically is what, like, uh, a friend, you know, like, I, lots of other people have sort of been inspired by the the situationalists' notion that what well, the time that we're living in is like the integrated spectacle, mm-hmm. and that this is a really useful term, the integrated spectacle, like that everything is like it's fully functioning together. The way that we have to deal with like social media, and that also that the the capital accumulation. It's not just kind of like that. It just feels sometimes that you open the kitchen cabinet and like the international global system like pounces directly on your face, like um, and so rather than um. So I wanted to create, it was also, this was it as well as I feel that really in the 21st century is that we're beset by a huge number of forms. You can, and I think the best thing that signifies this is the various art pieces of Disney princesses. Mm-hmm. So go on. <laughs> so there's like Disney princesses as different dinosaurs, Disney princesses as different Hoovers, Disney princess as anime characters, uh, 21st century versions Disney princesses. There is like so many different articles and artists reinterpretations of Disney princesses. Um, and there's like 3D animations, like all these things, and like again and again and again. And actually, what we're seeing as well is that we've we've really lost a lot of it's almost like we have more ways of thinking about things than ever before rendering them but we've lost actual active imagination yeah and so as a result we're actually recycling things quite a lot this is why disney princesses is from this this moment of youth it's a a coherent uh visual uh visual vocabulary Mm -hmm. and the same reason is that that nazism keeps coming back or fascism is it's a coherent visual vocabulary Mm-hmm. It has like an armband, a uniform, there's like a physical performance of it, there's a series of literature, there's like numbers and codes and all these things so that you can actually access it in many different ways. And the, uh, the, the point itself is actually metonymic. It happens within a space defined by these edges mm-hmm. rather than being something itself. And so it was really about how can we strategically create something that is a leftist form of this. Mm-hmm. And like, and it sort of, it, you know, and there are, there are uh, lots of, uh, like this has ha- like happened with like the revolution to a certain amount. Like my, uh, my personal favorite is like, uh, like the international with like Britney Spears lyrics over the top. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, because she she wears that communist face, <laughs> the little yeah. communist face. Yeah, she where she basically literally just went. Hmm, we should tax the rich. I think that yeah. was the extent of it. <laughs> it's true. Like yeah. I think that that was literally it. But I yeah. think people were desperate for any sort of come. Yeah. So there was this, and it's also as well. Like I think that. So um, so sorry, can I yeah. just um, uh, get you to clarify? So it's it's about creating. You can try. Like, yeah. <laughs> 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 give my most valiant effort but, um, uh, so it's like about creating sort of like uh like an intellectual uh like it's like a universe or like a, like a like a space like by create like having a number of different forms or formats, mm. like it's about creating enough of a space that people can think around inside it or yeah 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 it's almost like a skull way. uh-huh like a skull is uh, a sort of like because also the thing is right is that we all it's like uh, the skull is like a signifying absence and it's, I just love Ran- I just fucking love Rancière I just love Rancière Rancière mm-hmm. is a very uh, esoteric uh, thinker oh, also as well that uh, that 
Rancière is like one of my main political inspirations, but That's he's like Jacques Rancière. Jacques Rancière, yeah. yeah. And he always makes up that he's retiring, and then he keeps releasing new work. And then when he's asked to comment on it, he says, "I'm retiring. I'm not going to do that." He doesn't feel like it. Yeah, great. <laughs> right. Yeah, he's great. And also, he's ultimately, he's the chair of aesthetics in uh, in France, in mm-hmm. Paris. And, um, uh, or he was anyway. And also, this is it. He talks about uh, art as the aesthetic self-re-education of man. Huh. Yeah, so it was about the idea of, like, how can we create a sort of, you know, a integrate uh, aesthetic from and that the aesthetic is a, is to show another way of life. And I really mm. feel like when you're basically in, it's really, when you're in drag and you're going on the train to a gig or something like that, you're almost to a certain extent in your aesthetic, presenting another way by which one might live mm. in a sort of kind of, uh, in, in some small way kind of thing. And I think that people, that that radicality gets overstated quite a lot, but it doesn't change that it's there. Yeah. And yeah, and that then the, the, the basically that he, Rancière also talks about the idea of void and supplement. And that we have theory that, well, no, is that no one, is that modernity is very hostile to either void or supplement. Mm-hmm. Like imperialism is to conquer all the space. Mm-hmm. You know, it's to take up all the space to to stretch over the discourse it, uh, things can't be and what happens is as well is that then certain people get you know things can't be partial within that and then also that so there can be no space everything's got to be accounted for it's got to be controlled and it's got to be within the remit of capital or be something as yet an untapped resource that will then be incorporated into capital and then also things can't then be supplementary either it can't be seen as being something that can be with it kind of thing it's like you've got to like take it and we see this in the process of gentrification Mm-hmm. You know, very much like if you were not like really like going hell for leather on the idea of market expansion, you will be taken out. Yeah. We see uh, spaces of voids in cities being slowly removed mm-hmm. so that you have to be either pay, you have to either, basically you have to either be paying for being in somewhere or, and for that, you also need to be paid to be somewhere as well. So it's necessary for these things to happen. And then also supplementary spaces get taken away as well. Like spaces that are accessories to things. If it's not like itself a main business that's provide, that is producing profit, mm-hmm. it doesn't get to exist mm-hmm. um, in that sense. And so the idea was to create a theory that functioned as both a void and supplement. That... Yeah. <laughs> Wow. Okay. Can, yeah. can you, you were about to explain that more. Can you? And so the idea of a skull, a skull is like a signifying absence. It's like a, you know, it's the presence of a life that was there, but now it's not there anymore kind of thing. And it's like, it's a very memento mori, like remember you will die. Yeah. And I think something that we forget that we see, when we see the skull, skulls are so ubiquitous and skulls yeah. have no individual identity. Despite, ironically, at some point they were all an individual identity. Yeah. And we think, and so what happens is, is the skull as well as that we all have a skull. And the skull of a drag queen was like a couple of identities. Yeah. <laughs> some of them very problematic. <laughs> and, yeah. And the, the skull is a structured space of play. It's a structured space of imagination. And it's a, it's a formal space in that that we kind of basically is that rather than it's sort of like how the whole feminist movement in the West is really disabled over the identity of what is a woman. So you basically have trans women turfs fighting and then everyone being caught somehow in the fallout from this. Yeah. And that it's just really unproductive. Yeah. And that we kind of basically, it's just the idea of like, we just need this kind of structured space of play, like the thing. But then also it could be a theory that then people can take into other ideas or use to supplement things or just consider and then ignore and then have something else within that. So if the body of 
if the body of work that is Comicracy Now is feminism, mm. then the video and and the the downloadable PDF yep. are trans women and turfs, but like <laughs> but like like having a like a productive uh, a productive disagreement. Yeah, there's actually uh, there's a there's a movement <laughs> as opposed to the, 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 the like the disagreement between trans women and turfs, which is just one of hatred. No, one of hatred. Yeah, like, there's a as a, in like a, of transphobic hatred. Of transphobic yeah. hatred. Yeah. yeah, and it's just we definitely take sides on that conflict. Yeah, no, we definitely take sides as well. But thank God, I've got to say that I do love some things about second wave feminism. I mean, like well, the thing is that second wave feminism, like the position of trans uh, women and people in second and second wave feminism, feminism was contested. There were always uh, trans positive. Mm second wave feminists and in fact trans women were important leaders of certain sections of second wave feminism so we can't give that we can't give that bit of history away to the turf so yeah no that's also true as well yeah i think it's, it's just yeah lots of like just just also lots of people just everyone getting like people getting conservative as they get older and things like that i also just but there's a move i think it's called the uh yeah, jermaine gray is a dickhead yeah jermaine gray is a fucking dickhead <laughs> like yeah i can't remember what it is it's like the chickenistas movement or something but it's like basically in like uh in certain like uh latin american countries and stuff like that across the Hispanic world, sorry, I'm being very ignorant now, but whatever. Like, look, Google it. There's basically a notion of um, all femme people unifying against patriarchy. Mm -hmm. So it's like woman, like woman, cis woman, trans woman, like old woman, infertile woman, you know, rather than this like, uh, uh, then also like faggots and like effeminate men and all these things like unifying to say that patriarchy is actually discriminating against us Mm -hmm. and we need to do something about this. So it was also like, ultimately is that being is the having uh something written is one way of engaging and then having something that is visual that is see like an audio visual audio visual thing as well is something then to uh to engage with that we can then move between so on one hand you have also as well like an abstract theoretical text as well that's like pointing towards these things but then also you've got the material evidence of a lived embodied existence that needs these things at the same time okay uh, the next question I think you touched on uh, earlier, um, when I read this uh, manifesto and when I watch uh, this video, um, it reminds me strongly of like when Lisa Simpson drinks the, the, like the water and she becomes the lizard queen, like and she's like draped in a blanket and she's high and she's, um, and I know that you've also used this, this image to describe yourself. You yeah. also have a tattoo of this. I one. have a tattoo of this, yeah, yes, yeah, that yeah. I did myself. Yeah. So, I, and I think this is, re- this is a really interesting, um, like, uh, way of delivering uh, an, a manifesto. And I wanted to ask you, what is the effect um, that, or what, what does it do to have such a serious uh, topic uh, being delivered by a deranged prophet? Yeah, I am the lizard queen. Yeah, it's also because like I'm obsessed with camp, and camp is defined as a seriousness that fails. Yeah. But I also think that basically camp really, if you read nineteen, who defines it as that? Was that you? Or? No, it's Susan Sontag and notes on camp nineteen sixty four. Yeah, no, we, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, if you read that, it's a really amazing. It reads like a post structuralist text. Oh yeah, it's um, a really good text. Yeah, and it's really good. But I also think as well, like people call like postmodernism camp for straight people, and I feel like with the loss of certain modes of life, which I mean by which I, by which I mean well, modernism. Well, it's kind of right in that postmodernism sucks. Yeah, postmodernism <laughs> does suck. Yeah, totally. And then like. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, yeah, postmodernism. Also, I don't. Yeah, I just. Dickheads. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't believe in postmodernism. I don't. No, I'm no. like, it's it's completely. It's just it's like made up. It's like you can't call yourself time. Yeah. Like it's yeah. uh you and it's like again this it's also this is one of modernity's like hostile like really a hostility to thought as well and it's mm. like the way it really needs to occupy everything. It's like I'm modern and it's yeah. like now you're postmodern and yeah. it's like but modern is a pe- is a time period. So where are we now? Is it is something modern or is it not? You know, we get create the sense of like ontological loss that is there. So it was also basically as well as that so many things like this, I, like I can't believe that we are supposed to take this idea of postmodernism as modern being the contemporary time, like something being like in the moment, oh, it's very modern, it's very new, but we're postmodern, that, that this has been a serious idea for like 30, 40 years, it's a long enough idea for this that to be dated, but still treated as like yeah, a cutting... fifty years actually. Yeah. yeah, like right. It's like so we've been like post the contemporary time for like fifty years, yeah. and then there's like post postmodern, like hypermodern. No one has any answer for where we are, and I think the fact that we're supposed to take that seriously completely fails, and that is high camp. <laughs> <laughs> and so, but I also think that then with this, that basically queer people were just experiencing like hypermodern conditions earlier. The, the other people because it's like now for example quite a lot of people are divorced from their families they're removed from their homes they're highly alienated and they're also you know they don't have any like level of security they don't have like secure housing they can like be thrown out or evicted at any moment and these are the conditions that the people who formulated camp were living under mm-hmm. and so in a certain sense and lots of these things like you know worked on a very peculiar mode of communication and also lots of puns like lots of and like you can just see with the explosion of the way puns are working with the visual economy of the internet and also how that's extending to modern life and also that that one's visual economy within camp was a way that you could by being camp you could signify that you were homosexual without getting beaten up because people mm-hmm. wouldn't understand, you know like if you knew the certain things to what to look for yeah then you could unpick this sort of coding and that that's actually what we're using a lot right now so that then it was important to i think in the sense that it was and also to for people to for me to be able to even take this seriously as well and to to get this to communicate this as quickly and as efficiently as possible i think that this prophetic figure was important to take on but then also it was important to make it even more deranged to be to be as truly deranged as one feels mm-hmm. in these times mm-hmm. <laughs> was like to be like because this is absolutely completely uh driving me mental and then the within that rather i also think probably that the original prophets were very deranged actually now that i think about it yeah absolutely yeah yeah yeah, but yeah. So, there, but then also with this as well, it was to, it was a really necessary to like uh, to just really um, yeah, to like just push it and then just be like, I want these things now, and then to to sort of like try and like I don't know pump some vigor into the conversation and the discourse, mm-hmm. just try and get things to move. And it's also because um, it was the the environment that the video was shot in. It's also because this is the environment of my seminal performance art piece, the awful journey. Yeah. That, and I wanted to return to this place and this to is in, uh, make this. in East Anglia? East Anglia, yeah. Yeah, in the UK. Yeah. In the UK, in Norwich, in mm-hmm. Norfolk. Yeah. So, so I, I think I'm really struck by the fact that um, uh, this manifesto, manifestos very often are like delivered with this sort of like masculinist sort of like domina- dominating tone. Um, and I think there's an element of begging that comes through uh, in, in some of this. And I, this is what I really like about that, that you, you, you approach, like you, you tell everyone how things should be yeah. from a position of acknowledged weakness. And I think that's, 
like what made you make that choice because I love it yeah like I think that it um I think because like people telling me what to do really pisses me off yeah (laughs) people shush me I just like I go through the biggest and it's like and it's socially acceptable to do it in in Germany in a way that it's not in the UK and I just I go through like the seven is is that what is it but uh that's the seven gates of the underworld in Sumerian mythology. <laughs> that's, that's, I, I go through the nine nine circles of hell. The nine like, I travel through the whole thing. I like, I, like, I walk through Hades, through the Elysian Fields, all of it, and I come out the other end, and I'm just like, what did you just say to me? <sighs> so I hate being told this, to The entire well. spectrum of light passes yeah, at one yeah. point <laughs> until you return, covered in eyes with 19 halos as yeah. one of the original Avenging Angels. Yeah. And just being like, no, we all bought a ticket for this train and I will speak as loudly as I like. <laughs> Glaring at them from the eyes that cover my entire body. Yeah. I don't know how we got here. Um, <laughs> you have other... Yeah. Um, okay. So, no. Uh, yeah, with this way. Yeah, I really get pissed off about being uh, told off. And I also think that I think it doesn't work. And I think as well, like, I just... Unfo- There's someone on my Facebook I follow called, like, Neurodivergent Rebel who is a AFAB person with Asperger's syndrome, who posts lots of really good informative autism memes. Um, And they've just been on a real rant recently about autism and gender. And as someone with autism who identifies as gender field, uh, and some of these things are useful, but then basically... It's Did you just say gender fluid then? Gender failed. Gender failed. Gender okay. failed. Good yeah. old gender failed. Because I'm just yeah. really, I'm really over it. And then it was just like... It was just, it was talking about how, saying, male autism and female autism are helpful. And there was lots of, like, really good stuff in there. But just this continuous stream of stuff about how wrong people have got it about autism and gender. And how serious this is. And how much, like, I should care. And then also thinking how relevant it is to me was, like, I fucking know. Like, you have not posted one single thing that is optimistic or that makes me feel it makes me feel like you're actually because you're you, the way you're telling off the world it makes me feel like you're actually telling me off mm. as well and then also you're making me feel like you're really like just slapping me with this I have all this stuff to deal with on a day to day and you're really just slapping me in the face with it but with the nature of this work I felt it was really important to just slap people in the face with it and to like get really up in yeah. it and that something I, I like to do when I'm talking is that if I have any bodily um, bodily indicators, often of burping, or at least when I'm like burping or something like that, um, uh, I always like to include them when I'm speaking because, or on stage, because it's about inserting the body into speech. Yeah. Because so often we, we take, we know, we just think of speeches as being these abstract ideas rather than a choreography of the vocal cords. Mm-hmm. And that speech for speech to be effective needs to happen with the presence of a body as well. And so I like to do these things, but I don't like to, I don't like to mention it, but then it's about this thing of then it removes you from this plinth slightly. It puts you in this more corporeal thing. Yeah. And so I guess in the begging, the it's, it's about being, just really being open over the fact that I'm someone with needs and that I, there's this need and I need that recognised and that I hope that then, that I think that then what I guess I want with that is I want people to, to look at this and recognise that they have a need as well. Yeah, great. Yeah, that they have a need and that they have a need for this thought but like not everyone's had the ability to go and study a politics degree, mm-hmm. <laughs> basically. And mm-hmm. I didn't even do a particularly good job of achieving it but at least I got a lot of time to read about these things. Yeah. 
It's interesting, I think, because uh, I, uh, I did a degree in social theory and started doing drag at the same time. Mm. And over the years, I've been like more and more into it. Like, how can I get theory into drag? And it's like, it's it's hard. But like, I think if you if you do it right, it's like, it's a very, very, uh, like, and as I think that you do, I think it's a very, very um, um, fertile combination. Um, <laughs> the final question that I would have is, uh, where do you imagine this going? So like, our, our dear listeners have uh, ha- they've watched the video they have uh, they've read uh, the, the the written <laughs> manifesto um, where like where where is this project going where will like <laughs> what is post comicracy <laughs> what is oh my god post comic I can't wait for post comicracy <laughs> so well there's also sorry I'm just um, uh, yeah, so what well, is interesting because what there incorporate is incorporate the body go incorporate the body like um, <laughs> um <laughs> I'd lean in um uh, yeah, so well, what it is as well is that to be a little bit so of course, I've made this manifesto, I've done the sound, I've drawn this great big line in the sand and all these things, but also as well as that, but it's just definitely not a line <laughs> it's, it's like a crazy straw version of drawing a line in the sand it's very much a squiggle, yeah, yeah. It's like covering the entire beach. Yeah, like, <laughs> Here and now it's going to make a pretty little flower. It goes into the ocean, comes out like 30 kilometers down the beach. There was a riptide. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. When you get into the alchemy, I think that's the part. Oh, the, oh yeah. The, it goes into the ocean. <laughs> Be like, oh, wait, wait. Yeah, I, well, with the alchemy sense as well, there was, it was the idea of like... Uh, of, you know, using different symbols and ideas to get in. And so ultimately, I sort of kind of like... Um, I to a really important thing in the manifesto is the idea of seizing the means of signification mm-hmm. because signification is a form of production and the actually like the production of meaning the production of meaning indeed and that that's something and so um and that's something that we that we can control and we can use that through images through Instagram through our physical body bodily actions and through our rituals and so um I'm also there's also a Comicracy Now workshop, which I've done as a form of a larder DIY, which is just like an art, a live art experiment. But I want to ultimately want to make uh, a performance art workshop on how to make Comicratic art. Mm-hmm. And this is about, and really, so I mentioned the awful journey earlier on, which you know about because I, I mention it all the time. But someone might not know where I walked from Norwich to London for like uh, nine days, like for 100 miles across like this very boring landscape. In drag. In drag. In drag. Yeah. And this was a real, this was a really important thing was that my life in Norwich, like London felt like London and it was this big global city and it felt like the universal and Norwich itself felt like the particular, like this little off-truth thing. But then London itself is a very highly specific form of life and then Norwich is where it felt that what someone's demands were in London and in Norwich was a more true sense of the universal mm-hmm. as opposed to either of these uh, localities uh, dominating the other one. So in that walk from one to the other, it was really a journey from the universal to the particular mm-hmm. and to think about these things, which I also feel is an accurate description of voting. And that's, that's sort of put in there and to think about how we can, how we inhabit moving through the world and stuff. And so it's also that it's with the fact that within performance art, there's maybe the chance to perform uh, democracy and to perform this equality and to perform the part of the ruling of the part that has no 
part as well in this sense. And so to create a situation where everyone can have an equal experience and also as well equally be in control of uh, creating people's experiences as well and actually to create a new sort of sense of the possible towards art basically. Mm. So there's an artistic and aesthetic thing and to create an immediate embodied practice of comicracy, so it's comicracy now, right now, that you can actually feel and experience this, to perform this liberation for a moment, to inspire, to create something different. And then also at the same time as well, ultimately, I would rather have a fantasy of just being like, I have rather a fantasy of being a fantasy author. And like one day I'd like to write fantasy stories based comicratically. Gorgeous. Yeah. And that basically to create sort of a form of sci-fi, because it always felt like, you know, fantasy, like, I mean, Star Wars is also could be just called space capitalism. Yeah, it's like every it's like you can go to any planet with any species, and the one thing that everyone has in common is the market. Like, yeah. why is there? You know, there is not one single planet in this whole uh, universe that doesn't have this equally. Any single time you want to overread any kind of fantasy story, you have to go back to feudalist times, and so there will no doubt in the story be emancipated female characters. But mm. every single other woman of the sort of psychic structure is going to be in like pure drudgery. Yeah, I was just like, that's just not good enough. Yeah, and so yeah, so it's like this. So in that sense, it's to create a sort of like ongoing thing for me that uh, we'll engage with, and then also hopefully uh, other people will start engaging with it and sort of like really. Oh, and ultimately. Basically, it is so that when your problematic uncle at the dinner table is like, how would you run the world differently today if it weren't communism? No, if it, like, if it weren't capitalism and that communism has all these problems. Mm-hmm. It's so you can turn around and say, I would run it communocratically. And when he goes, what does that mean? You can reply, nobody knows yet because it hasn't happened, but it could do. So shut up. <laughs> That is uh, <laughs> that is a very, very uh, comprehensive answer uh, to where to go now. I hope that we're both heading uh, in the direction of Comucracy. It's been a pleasure <laughs> to speak to you, Oozing Blue. Oh my gosh, it's always a pleasure talking with you, Olympia. And thank you for uh, accompanying us on this uh, journey into the the unknown into the unknown Uh, thank you for for listening uh, along dear listeners do check out if you haven't paused already to check out this incredible video and uh, deeply insightful worryingly insightful uh, manifesto uh, then check it out in the link Um, and uh, we'll see you next week for another another more regular edition of Slurry yeah I mean like what a contradiction a regular Slurry Mm. (laughs) And on that note, bye. Bye.